Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of the podcast. I'm here making my debut and today we're going to be talking about rape culture and sexual assault. So there is a trigger warning for this episode of the podcast. As we said, the topics we're going to be discussing in this podcast are rape culture and sexual assault. These are very sensitive topics and you may feel that this isn't something which you want to listen to. We'll be discussing the topic in lots of detail and so if you do feel that you will be affected by this, we want to inform you now and to say that we understand and that it's okay if you feel that you can't listen. So should we start with some definitions then? Um, would someone like to define a sexual assault? Yeah, um, so a sexual assault is any sexual act that a person did not consent to or is forced into against their will. It's a form of sexual violence and includes rape and assault involving penetration of the vagina, anus or mouth or other sexual offences such as groping, forced kissing, child sexual abuse or the torture of a person in a sexual manner. And sexual coercion, who would like to take that? Yeah, so sexual coercion is an unwanted sexual activity that happens in a way when you're pressured, tricked, threatened or forced into a non-physical way. Coercion can make you think you owe someone sex. Um, It might be someone who has power over you, like a teacher, landlord or a boss, but it could even come from someone you know well. Thank you. So we've got two different ways that these can take place. Um, When So this is addressed to the three of you. When did any of you first kind of realise that these were big issues and might have directly impacted you or people you know yeah um so the weird thing about it is it is very normal for little girls um Mm. and women to experience I don't think there was a fundamental pivotal point where I thought oh my gosh this is gonna happen or does happen but I would say that when I was seven or eight um I saw some men catcalling my sister who was only 12 at the time And my mum went up and had a go at the men. But um, I remember feeling so violated for my sister, even though she she didn't really seem to be affected by it. I I thought it was completely disgusting and repulsive. And it was something I still think about to this day. Um, So that first time, that was the first time I had uh, seen it myself. I think for me, it definitely was a case of, my journey to school on the bus uh, just public transport in general yeah. especially wearing school uniform having for the first time receiving that look from a man that was made me feel severely uncomfortable I think that was probably my first experience with it and then as I kind of got older in my teen years it kind of developed into catcalling that kind of thing yeah yeah I I think sorry yeah I think that's a really interesting point so the idea is that it's not necessarily something that's physical. Um, it can be as passive as just staring or comments yeah. that come up in, in public settings as well. I mean, were there lots of other people around during these different occasions? Yeah, a lot of times they, those people are around. Um, we're all sort of in our own bubble a lot, especially on public transport, as Yana was saying. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think that you feel so threatened when somebody looks at you in a way and gives you attention that you do not want that you do try and recluse yourself if that Mm. makes sense you don't want to uh, draw more attention to yourself so you're not gonna go and uh, most of the time you don't feel comfortable to go and get help from someone even though we must say do report do get help if you need it it's very important to do so but we understand it is very difficult um to take yourself Mm. out of a mindset 
of being feeling so threatened yeah I have to agree with what Clara said and also just I think for me with the the cat calling and for so many girls who can relate to this um for some people they might for men who say it they might view it as a complimentary thing but it really isn't and if anything it can make you feel really kind of helpless humiliated and it's just disrespectful so it's just not something that men should say and what about you Trin how have your experiences differed at all or have the things that Clara and I have said rung true with you as well yeah well I think becoming aware of this whole topic um just really started from hearing it on the news and like reading um stories and first-hand accounts about it online really and I think it's pretty difficult now to grow up and not hear that stuff because it is so common and I think what you were talking about in terms of the cat calling and the staring um these are unwanted advances and I feel like the actual fear that a girl gets from experiencing that needs to be understood and recognized more Mm -hmm. because for a girl especially like maybe at night or just even out in a public place if they feel that they that these advances aren't something which they want and that they can't do anything about they're they're put into um, a situation where you know you feel helpless as Ayana said and I think yeah I think Mm. I don't know it's something that needs to be talked about a bit more because it's almost taken as something which is the norm or fine because you know it's not actual um, maybe physical harm exactly the emotional side of it even though some yeah I think sometimes people think that these unwanted looks if we're in this case, which we're talking about, um, will only affect somebody for the period of time they're being looked at. When in actuality, mm. the whole journey home, they're constantly looking over their shoulder, seeing if they're being followed because they've got an attention. Mm. Next time they're on the train, um, they're constantly thinking about it. And that's mm. kind of the long-term effects it will have on somebody. And it will be yeah. the person. So the next time they go out, and the next time they go out again, that will be in their mind that, oh, this is going to happen or this could potentially happen and mm. then they change their behaviors or patterns to um you know stay away from these unwanted advances which seems unfair because it's just a person going out and trying to enjoy their life as mm. <clears throat> I agree and I think it's quite an unfortunate thing and I know that every single girl can relate to this but it's a very unfortunate thing that it's kind of become an inbuilt reaction and response to constantly look behind you when you're walking alone, especially at night time, um, have your keys, you know, in your fists, in your hands, um, whether that's also just on the phone, having someone on speaker. I know that Clara has that experience with her sister um, when she's like coming yeah. um, home from a night out. Um, so it's an unfortunate thing that we've kind of developed this reaction to immediately just turn around that kind of thing but it is what it is unfortunately yeah so going for that um I think we should try and you know keep rape bombs on us and it is important to take these precautions it is unfortunate but it is so so important to stay safe and vigilant mm-hmm. when you're out um but saying that there is no excuse for somebody making you feel that way um yeah. and it is unfortunate that these sort of preparations have to be um taken yeah i agree excellent um so a slightly broader question now in what ways can this really impact someone um and their mental health and well-being so i think it can manifest itself in different ways and people deal with different things differently um who would like to take that 
Um, yeah, I think that's a really important and good question to ask. I think, as you said, it definitely manifests itself in different ways. But for someone who, you know, everyone responds to stuff differently. But say if you have a little girl in a situation like that, um, it can really really affect you for some people who are probably not as confident to you know vocalize what's happened and they keep it to themselves it can definitely build up eat you up a little bit inside because you feel you you feel like you need to reach out for help but you're too afraid to and then that can really tap into your mental health and um, make you feel really alone obviously for some people it might be easier to reach out and report things but of, of course for some people it isn't um, so I think in that sense that's how it can affect you mentally um, it's just making sure that you are at least surrounded by people who you feel confident enough to trust in and tell these things to which can then they can then probably help you to report so yeah exactly and another issue is that um this isn't a generational issue this is an issue that's been going on for years or since the beginning of time um, yeah you know and that's evident in the fact that mothers tell their daughters you know tips and tricks to stay safe um and that can sometimes make people think that passive um passive sort of acts made towards them such as the staring such as the um you know weird movements towards them um are normal and that it's kind of silly to talk about because it happens to everyone but it isn't you know if you keep all these things and internalize them inside of you and process them by yourself that can have quite a long-standing effect on you just in terms of when you feel so violated no matter how extreme the act is um by not talking about it you sort of allow to hold on to these feelings about it um and I would you know talk to, to your mum if you can sisters but also you talk to your dad about it your brother um mm. whoever you know I think sometimes you always talk about talking to your female friends about it but your male friends if they're truly your friends they will empathize with you sometimes you do just need your shoulder to cry on um I I think I sort of realized that when um going to school especially um it sort of takes a bit out of you that day bit of energy out of you mm. and you just need somebody to rent rant to and get out of your system too um so it doesn't affect you for ages because they don't deserve to have an effect on you they don't deserve to have anything on you so yeah I think yeah sorry I think what you said Clara just quickly about just even just telling um your male friends it's so important because then that will really show if they're actually you know caring in that situation and will act on it in whatever way that you want to kind of go with it so I think also branching out not just talking to your female friends about it but then trying to help normalize the conversation by talking to your male friends too will really help and I think something that keeps recurring in the experience of like people who have gone through this is that feeling of shame I think um often what you hear or what you'll read is that you know if someone has made unwanted advances towards you then the person will feel that maybe they've done something wrong or that they've like dressed a certain way which is totally I think it's it's an absurd notion to feel that you can take any blame for what's happened clearly it's not your fault if any stuff if anything like this happens at all but I think the feeling of shame is something which is really prevalent and 
it it almost seems like because the thing that happened was done to you that you're at fault even though you're just an innocent bystander Mm -hmm. exactly and sometimes you can feel um embarrassed as well as shame I think that's Mm. one thing I know a lot of me and my friends feel um because it's like you feel embarrassed that somebody had the power to do that to you or whatever it was however extreme um but you shouldn't you really really shouldn't just talking Mm. about it it's an act of bravery so touching into that power thing um to what extent or what role do you think the media have in creating that because obviously it's something that exists within our society but it's kind of perpetuated to a certain extent like the example of if you google schoolboy and schoolgirl that yeah. exists to a certain degree because of media and pornography sites and things like that and all these different types of ways of mm. sexualizing women um so yeah i guess my question is how do you think that's really taken root and what can young girls do today to try yeah. and combat those things I think it's a good question. Yeah, I also think that um, it's not only the schoolboy and schoolgirl thing, but it's the preferences for girls stereotypically kind of resemble a young child. But yeah, that's mo- very weird. It's but moving just like on, this idea yeah. of youthfulness, like freshness and innocence. Yeah, exactly. But what you said about the media, I think it has a massive, massive part to play. I think the way especially in tabloids, I'm speaking about tabloids here, mm-hmm. um, a female's value will be boiled down to external characteristics um, and the way that a female will be described um, bossy versus a man will be described passionate. I think that sort of is a, creates a power dynamic between males and females. And this happens, this means that people feel more confident comfortable to talk about females in that way to rate females in that way we, I know females do this to males as well sometimes but it is something that is a result I think of the way that the media portray the relationship between the man and the woman you know the man's a protector the man does this the female's just the pretty housewife and that mm. in itself um can manifest itself into violence because you people think that the men men are the superior race yeah I agree equal yeah Yeah, I think there's this idea that you know a man is needs to be the breadwinner of the household and like Clara said the woman is kind of just in the background doing all the housework is in some way subordinate but it this links so well to this topic because these gen these gender roles and like the way in which you're characterizing both men and women it's not true and it needs to change Mm -hmm. because when you from a young age if that's what you're seeing in whatever in whatever medium then when you get older that's the kind of mentality and mindset that you're going to have and when you have conversations with people you can really it can really affect them depending on what you say um especially if you're just chatting with your friends um if you make a joke or a comment about for example a house a housewife you may not mean it but it can have like serious effects if you for example girls are hearing it yeah, Does that exactly. Makes sense? Yeah. Mm. In what ways have you? I think there's definitely a culture of casual objectification, which happens a lot. But a kind of subset of that is this idea of transgression jokes, which occur because people know that they're wrong and they kind of find that dark humor element quite funny. Um, I think the issues really rise when that's directed at someone 
in a way which is just it goes beyond any kind of part of just being funny it's just directed at someone and it's mean um yeah how do you think in terms of talking to different types of males how can they move forward and do you think it's something that needs to be completely cut out or do you think it's something that just needs to evolve and just leave it behind or can it kind of continue um or in terms of humor it gets to a uh, it, it gets to a point where you know girls aren't funny uh, girls are less intelligent than men on average girls are weaker than men on average like if you keep saying this rhetoric constantly you're going to start to believe it and I think that's why it escalates so far. Um, I don't think it... I'm not going to censor someone's humour. I'm not a dictator. I think you should... If you're putting forward a joke, maybe you should think a bit more about it and if it's actually funny. If you're saying something that's directly cruel about somebody, doesn't matter if in the room or not, rethink what you're saying. Rethink the effect it's going to have. Because... To you, it's going to be a 30-second joke and a 10-minute laugh. To them, it's, they're going to be thinking about it all day. So it's this mm. idea of intent versus perception. And ultimately, yeah. it boils down to just being an empathetic and good person. Exactly. To a certain extent, in terms of jokes, really. And I also think it's important to recognise that we're all human. People are going to make mistakes. People are going to make jokes that they don't mean. What we should judge someone is if they grow and if they apologise. Um You'll learn a lot about them in the process if they don't, so... Exactly. You know, you should definitely hold people accountable to what they say, but if they're showing change and they're showing remorse, you need to think about, you know, if you're going to let them grow from it. You can't always hold people to what they've said in the past if they've actively shown that they've changed, but saying that if they're constantly saying it, you should really think who you're surrounding yourself with because it's going to have long-term effects this is a small point, but it might be even worth considering, like, if you're hearing a joke and you're laughing at it, um, are you laughing at it? But is it something that you'd be comfortable saying yourself? And then if it's mm -hmm. not something you'd be comfortable saying yourself, then why are you laughing and kind of encouraging it to be said in the first place? Exactly. You're providing an audience to something which is cruel. Um... Coming back to this idea of empathy... I have a really interesting post on Instagram the, uh, this morning, actually, about how we need to accept that, you know, we can't relate to every single scenario and be empathetic to it. Because I think, you know, our own perspectives can only account for what we've interacted with and we can't account for every yeah. single different being on this planet. And so I think that, that it was kind of talking about um, racial inequalities and things, but I think that the same message applies to this. Yeah. And the need for a constant dialogue between all genders. And I think this specifically falls on men above all to do this um, because it needs to be on an ongoing debate because you can't expand your horizons and think in a different way and think, is what I'm doing kind of right? Is this potentially putting making someone else feel vulnerable? Um, and in terms of kind of calling out friends and these other things as well, I think it's just something that only this dialogue and arranging dialogue can resolve. Um, what, what, what do we all think of, of that? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, for men, it's important to talk to men about it because, you know, they might have experience with confronting their own friend or um, dealing with some sort of situation in the past. And 
the best thing we can do is learn and grow from other people's experiences. Um, it's also important to talk to your female friends just because you haven't experienced it yourself. Lots of men have, but say you haven't, um, you can still be empathetic to the fact. You don't always need to understand where they're coming from to be supportive. Um, the worst thing you can do is tell them to take it as a compliment, to tell them to get over it, to tell them it's normal, because um, you really do not have the right to say that. Um, but to sort of, you know, be a supportive friend, and that's all we can do. Um, and especially as a man, I think that that will give the girl a lot of hope and a lot of um, appreciation because sometimes in those moments you can build up such hate towards a group of people when in actuality this small minority who've done something awful do not speak for everyone. And by showing your support for someone, you're sort of re-emphasising that. And I think COVID's a really good indication of, I think, perhaps what needs to happen here in terms of what a collective group of people can do is in a country um, or, you know, one specific gender. If they all do these little things, whether it be, you know, in the COVID scenario, staying at home and stopping... Washing your hands. Washing your hands, you know, the Boris's strap line. Or it be, you know, having these conversations with your friends and, you know, questioning yourself, is what I'm doing going to make everyone around me feel comfortable and safe? Or is it going to kind of come across in a dodgy way? And I think Daniel Sloss, um, the comedian, it's been all over social media, but he says, he summarises the magnitude of this issue really well, I think. And he said, if you were to convict every single perpetrator, I mean, just imagine how full these prisons would be. And so Mm. I think that kind of emphasises how... It's not this thing of we're looking to, con- well, we are looking to condemn, but we're not looking to lock up person because it's just not physically possible. It lies in, I think, the education and people need to call out what is wrong. But I think also calling out doesn't necessarily equate to berating the individuals in every single instance. And perhaps depending on the vet, because different cases will have different threat levels. Um, it could be more powerful in the moment to just talk to someone and quite ask why they're doing something which he thinks a bit inappropriate. I think in terms of we're moving away from just, well, actually, no, this could even include the staring and the catcalling, but in terms of kind of more physical mm-hmm. stuff as well. Um, has anyone else, I uh, guess, would anyone else like to expand on that? I guess to put it simply, like to have the conversation, there needs to be room for change. Otherwise, I just think little progress will actually be made ultimately if there's not a sense of openness because ultimately we want to move to a place where these things aren't happening and I think we can only get there if the conversations like aren't only occurring when a news story happens and that they are just because the experience is a part of everyday life the conversations equally need to be so. Yes exactly I agree. Um, I think part of education is um, explaining how little actions that people do, whether that's around school, whether it's not what effect it has on you. Um, and to do that, I think it's really important to find common ground. Um, I think the common ground we all have is that we know this isn't okay. So let's focus on that and how we can help victims and how we can stop this from happening again, rather than focusing on what makes us different. Um, I think by doing that, it will create more of a collective and a collective Mm. initiative which will produce more results essentially you know when you play devil's advocate on something like this what who are you benefiting 
um, when you talk in a way which sort of devalues a victim's experience, um, you're not benefiting everyone. Um, and I think it's really important to empathise and find that common ground so that change can be made. And that can happen in your tutor times, that can happen in your lessons, wherever it is. You will find a common ground with someone. And I think when you focus on that, the conversation will be much more meaningful and progressive rather than an argument which polarises people. And I think also when you go into more, um, I guess, less formal social settings, say parties, for instance, and where people might choose to drink alcohol and certain things, I think if you have these conversations in the first place and it becomes something which isn't just something you see posted on an Instagram story or on the news. It's something you've spoken about with friends, you've reflected on it and you kind of begin to practice it as a way of just going about your life. You're constantly thinking of what's right and what's not acceptable. The hope is that that will then kind of manifest itself when you are um, forced to take these decisions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you build up that habit of recognizing when something is wrong because we don't expect people to be born and to understand everything like that's like so extreme to think but it it is expected that when you know somebody's experience you will grow from that um, and you will learn from that and that's what I think the main point of this podcast today is about is from listening to other people's stories and other people's actions or inactions and learning from it I think misogyny is also learned so therefore it can be unlearned and it's exactly you have to just reverse the habits that i think have set in um and ways to reverse them i think should should we just go on to some of the resources that people can use um and we can suggest some and i'm sure people that are already listening to this podcast have already done some of the research but we can help um signpost you to some apps for safety i think who would like to take take that so we'll put Uh, these apps in the description i think but um, um so these are um they're basically just apps to help women and girls feel safer so um i think it's also important for parents listening to this um that you're aware of these because they can really help eliminate uh, your daughter being exposed to harmful dangerous situations so they all work in the same way um in the sense that if you're in danger you'll essentially be put on a live stream so your parents will know where you are or your friends will know where you are there's also one app called one screen which is really good because it can detect um, you screaming and it can also detect it from you just screaming and it can at the bottom of your bag um, you don't need to necessarily be with your phone in your hand and then it will instantly call emergency services which is very good um and they're just really really useful really there's another one where you can just kind of tap um normally on a map a location and it will kind of give you a safety score of the place and give you reasons as to why that place is safe or unsafe um if you're going somewhere quite unfamiliar and even though there are blind spots everywhere it's important that these things can help um so yeah we'd just really recommend these um apps to you yeah and they will be in the description of this so please download them wonderful well, i think yeah this has been for me a really good opportunity to just hear different opinions from you guys i know we've spoken about this before mm-hmm. um but yeah i think our, our intention of this was, wasn't to try and solve you know gender politics 
it was to just try and get some opinions which you might not have heard before and the idea is that this is just going to be an ongoing dialogue and conversation which we're going to take to our respective friends and hopefully continue um thank you very much for listening and we'll be back with episode four talking about more the role of boys and what they can do um going forwards and that will be with cameron myself and ayana and your deputy boy daniel <laughs> thank you thank you thank you